What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. It's nearly July 4th. Can you believe that we're smack in the middle of summer? I mean, my God, how life flies by when you're quarantining. I mean, literally, it just passes you by. You realize it's been six months and you haven't done anything except for me. Maybe you haven't done much. I've been podcasting from cars. I've been podcasting from parking lots. Right now, I'm podcasting right next to a park. How's that going to go for me? I'm not sure. To cop circle around this thing at night to find out if people are podcasting from their cars? We're going we're gonna to discover that together. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I think mostly they're looking to figure out whether or not kids are smoking weed and fucking. I figure, like, that's probably what they mostly do, but I can't say that for a fact. And as I speak, there's a car creeping up behind me real slow. Is that a cop? Or is that people that want to fuck in the park? These are mysterious questions. These are questions that are hard to answer. And we're going to leave because now there's fireworks going off in the park, which means there is no chance that this is going to be a good spot to broadcast from. Why do people have to be sons of bitches with the fucking fireworks? False start. What can I say? This shit is a fucking adventure. July 10th, I move into my new apartment. Hopefully we'll, uh, you know, just convert the entire thing into a production studio. And, uh, you know, when I move in fucking uh opening opening party opening party i'm gonna invite the Shedcast boys over um it'll be like a yosef uh, invitation there won't be any furniture but you can bring yourself you can bring your booze and speaking of which we gotta kind of catch up with yosef it's been a long time hopefully uh first porch of the summer porch store if we'll still have us all right enough bullshit and enough complaining you want complaining? You can go on social media. That's all that's there. That's not what we came here today to do. Let's get into some news stories. Oh, but before I do that, can you guys go like, subscribe, or whatever else other podcasters who are better at doing this are telling you to do? Whatever those things are, whatever those announcements are, tie people to chairs and force feed them, run your mouth. Whatever you've got to do that we can grow the one run your mouth nation. Yeah, your, your parents are home. Just start playing it in their kitchens. They'll be like, what the fuck? Why am I hearing Jews? You know, why why is it that I'm here trying to cook and I'm hearing ranting Jews in my kitchen? And then you go, well, that's, that's run your mouth. And uh, I feel like you should listen to this. And then maybe they'll listen to it and then they'll like it. And then they'll subscribe and then they'll tell their friends and then we'll have more listeners. And then at some point we'll have enough money to do the world's most epic summer porch tour. Even though this one, it's going to be pretty good. I got some doctor in Pennsylvania I haven't responded to yet who's going to make me brisket. I've got some guy in Maryland who's got a giant big ass backyard. He's going to build us a stage. We might even film that shit. Um, I got another place in Philly. Some dude hit me up. I think I'm not sure if I responded to that email. But anyway, summer porch tour is coming together. Open up your homes. Open up your porches. Let me know where you live. Robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Like, subscribe. Give us uh, as many stars as you can. Subscribe again. Then come back. Leave another review. Then go to the other podcast. Don't defame them, but let them know that we still think that what they did to us was not nice. And uh, all right, moving on. Let's get into uh, some news stories. The first one being that the entire world has bought John Bolton's book. There wasn't a single person in the entire country that wasn't interested in reading it. Nobody. You walk into anybody's house and you look at their bookshelf, they're going to have a copy of this thing. Two million dollars. That's what he got paid up front. And already he sold 780,000 in the first week. And I don't know about you. I'm calling bullshit. 
I think the next time there's California wildfires and you see one of those helicopters flying up above about to dump water, it's going to be Bolton's books. They're going to be trying to get rid of the evidence. I don't buy this for one fucking second. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's the numbers. You got a big-ass country. What is it, like 350 million people? This guy Bolton's on the news all the time. You need maybe a million people to buy the book for the profits to make sense that you're paying them out $2 million. Maybe. Maybe the numbers are that simple. Maybe book sales are that easy. You just keep going to go on the news for years, line, 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 talking about war, 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 or whatever the fuck you want to make up. And if you can just get enough exposure on the news saying crazy shit, people will buy your book. But I'm calling bullshit. What the fuck is Simon and Schuster up to? Plus, they're going to be putting out a book uh, from Trump's niece. He was trying uh, not to get that book out into the open. I was hoping that his niece would be uglier. Just because it's always so fun when people are giving Trump shit and then he just calls them out for not being attractive. Uh, but And I thought that would be particularly funny if it was a family member. He's like, oh, the ugly one? We don't listen to the ugly one. The ugly one, she says nasty things all the time. That's what she does. She's not as beautiful as my Ivanka. She's not even as beautiful as the other one whose name I don't remember. The, the one who looks like the Betty Boop but sluttier, that, that daughter of mine. I don't, I don't let her in the White House because she still needs to lose a little weight. <laughs> uh, he got some new symptoms for the coronavirus. The newest one is uh, people are getting four-hour erections, which is great. Calling up your ba- your girlfriend like, what's up, baby? I got some coronavirus. You got to come over. I got uh, three full hours left on this erection. <laughs> and she's like, well, what happened to the first hour? Like, you don't worry about that first hour, baby. This is three full hours of erection we get to have with each other. How did four hours become the exact marker of a problem? I could just see a nurse. She's standing there in a hospital. She's got that stopwatch in her hand. It's 358, 359, and then four hours. She goes, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. It's uh, 2,100 hours and 16 seconds, and we've got a four-hour erection in our hands. Where's the get a doctor in your stat? I need a bag. I need a bag of ice cubes and uh, a team of Asians. I don't know how they get rid of your boners. Maybe is that is that racist? Does, that that I think Asians are no. I'm sure other people give hand jobs. You could have probably said anyone in there. So. I uh, would like to take this moment to apologize to the Asian community if in some way I uh, offended you. Because I'm not here to offend. This is the Anti-Defamation Podcast. Um, But I'm pretty sure they just give you a bag of ice. And the reason I say that is because when I was in high school, we were friends with this guy who owned a bodega. His name was Lewis, but he just went to Poppy. He'd come outside the store like, hey, Poppy. We're like, what's up, Poppy? Hey, Poppy. And then it was like a what's up commercial every time we were uh, going to school. And he'd sell us snacks. He was a good guy until um, the Jew bodega at the end of the corner um, got, you know, pulled some fucking real estate deal and got him out of the bodega that he had been in for like 25 years. This was a legacy bodega before him. Mr. Bodega owned it. That guy didn't even speak English. He would just sit there playing uh, an accordion, like a little small accordion, singing uh, Puerto Rican songs or something that wasn't in English, and you'd buy snacks, and he was a cool dude. And then the Jewish landlord got rid of them. Uh, You know what those Jews do. What was I trying to talk about? Oh, yeah, four-hour erections. Um, And that's it. I don't know that we have to talk that much more about the erections. Uh, Out in Minneapolis where the whole George Floyd thing went down and people have been outraged. They've been screaming at this police department. We got to get rid of this thing. No poor police to fund the police. People are like, that's crazy. You can't get rid of the police. Everyone's going to go nuts. Well, guess what? They're going for it. They're getting rid of the police and they're replacing it with the police department. Uh, no, they're replacing the police department with the Department of Community Safety 
and violence prevention, which, of course, this is very different from what the the cops were, but we can't get this. We're not entitled to this new police department, which is going to take a holistic approach to public health. Um, It's not that it's better. It's not that it's better and that this should be rolled out nationwide. In most areas, the police system works and people don't feel oppressed, but specifically in Minneapolis, the whole police thing wasn't working out. So, you know, it's a pilot program. If um, maybe the more holistic approach works out, maybe you'll get rid of police departments nationwide. Um, so, you know, at least they're, they're trying to push forward. They're trying new things. You, you got to you gotta give them credit for that. Also, it turns out, you know, the, the other people that were with the main cop who killed George Floyd with the knee on the neck, one of the guys, even though he didn't look black, it turns out that he was black. He was like an undercover black guy because he was like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm a black dude and people treat me like a white guy because I look super white. So I understand that there's a difference. There's a racial disparity. And so he said that his dream was to become a cop and end racial discrimination, which is proof again, you don't want to follow your dreams things can go really long while following your dreams because like it's like second force in the universe you put out there that you're looking to do something and uh then the universe is like well we got to stop this guy from doing that that's what makes it epic if it's easy if following your dream was easy you know everyone would do it everything would be a success story we're, we're trying to create things that might make a hollywood story down the line so we got to make sure that it's real difficult in in trying to get there um, so yeah, you know, just be careful if you're trying to follow your dreams. And then, um, there were two deaths in Chapo. I was talking about this on part of the problem, but, uh, how does that not like, you got to realize just how easily, you know, the media gets to pick its narratives. So there were two deaths in Chapo. There was one death of the George Floyd guy of a cop putting his, you know, knee on the guy's neck. Terrible. That's one death. And then in Seattle, you already got two deaths, and I think they were uh, black uh, teenage kids or around teenage age. And how come that doesn't get the George Floyd treatment? How come there's not weeks of news coverage about how these uh, young liberal college students or whoever are the people that made up the group of people that took over Chapo had such a failed experiment that it led to the death of young, vulnerable um african-american teenage males or how come there isn't an outcry how come there should be responsibility taken for the people who tried to forge a new government that led to the death of two black like the same way the police department's responsible well i guess that one's a little bit more direct i don't think the leaders of this unit um were the ones who killed him uh but they did try and create a new government that you know had two deaths within what was it a month pretty quick Pretty quick. I wonder what the uh, per capita death rate was for their little um, trial of a city. But the point is, you could be going on for months. The new stories I'd really like to see, and if uh, you know someone personally was affected, or you know people who um, live in the area, I'd like to hear more stories of people who were personally affected by what happened. Because I remember when Occupy Wall Street happened, I um, I didn't know. I heard secondhand a restaurant. You know, they put all their money into opening up a restaurant in that area. The restaurant was uh, to cater to these Wall Street people having lunches. And it was like a pretty major investment. And they opened like a week before uh, Occupy Wall Street happened. And then that was the end of their restaurant. I guess they didn't have enough capital to sustain the losses from, you know, rent for two months or whatever it was a month of not being able to allow any customers in which i would think 
don't go into businesses where the margins are that thin. And you don't have the capital for one month, but that's what they did. And they took a fucking wipeout. And the point is, it's like you get mom and pops and people who were fucking hustling to run businesses or people that worked their entire life for their little slice of land. That's why I like even back in high school, I remember once in high school, actually, you know what? I don't want to praise myself too much. I'm just going to say, or at all for that matter. Uh, I'm just going to like, I don't, I, I'm against the concept of theft. I think uh, private property, you know, that's about as far as my religion goes. It's the, it's the spiritual fabric of society is twofold. It's one, it's savings and investment. It's the idea that um, it's worth delaying consumption and creating a fabric where people think if they invest in themselves, they can live a better tomorrow and that they have a positive mental attitude and that they see a future for themselves and so they see a reason not to just be compulsive. I see that as being like a religious fabric for you as an individual and something that us as a society, we should always be pushing for, like almost from a game theory standpoint, you can even look at this from dating, like how do I create a dating marketplace where people aren't incentivized just to run in and out of relationships and I think part of that is if you got a community thing, then if a guy's like, on like the Tinder model, you can go out I mean this on both the guy and the girl thing like you can go out with a girl once you know be as selfish as you want about it and there's no ramifications uh, in a community model, there isn't that because, you know, there's repercussions where all of a sudden you get a reputation like, oh, that guy went out with me once. He said he loved me. We had passionate sex and he never spoke to me again. And then you can really only pull that move once. So you're an incent- There's an incentive to act more like a gentleman uh, or less like a slut. You know, you can shame whoever you want here for acting self or maybe it's not selfish. Maybe you want to take this. Uh, hey, I'm uh I'm a lady and I want dicks in my vagina approach and I'm a dude. I want all the vaginas. I'm not judging. I'm not, I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying, I think as a society, we do well when, uh, people are not acting compulsive and delaying gratification. And to the best of my ability, I do try and invest in a little bit of uh, temperance, but I'm not that good at it. You know, I still, I eat cookies, but you know, I try, I'm trying and I, and I suggest that you try too. And I think part of it is that society constructing itself in a way where you feel like if you're not acting like a compulsive asshole, you can have more in the future. So that's one element of a good society. The other one is that only can happen where, you know, people have a, uh, I'm describing a lower time preference if you feel like your private property is safe. If you don't feel like your private property is safe, you're like, fuck, I got to consume this right away or it's going to be taken for me tomorrow. You know, if you think uh, inflation's, in, if inflation's coming, you might think, hey, I want to eat all this shit now. I don't know why I went down this fucking ranting rabbit hole. I don't know how I ended up in this topic. What, what the fuck was I trying to even talk about? Oh, yeah, something to do with Occupy Wall Street. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm anti-theft. I think what's, what's yours... That's really not that novel of a claim. I Like, why am I trying to pat myself on the back for saying I'm anti-theft? What the fuck was I trying to say? I really lost my train of thought on this one. And this one's my fault. Like, sometimes when I'm on roads and there's cars, you know, driving past me and they got their lights on and then I start bugging out that it's cops and that they got coronavirus and that they're going to come over and... uh um, you know, they're going to get mad at me for not having a mask. And then I'm going to go reach the mask and they're going to shoot me in my car. And since I'm white, it won't even make the newspapers. No one will even care about it that they won't even, they won't put up any murals and shrines or, uh, protests in the streets. I'll go unnoticed. And that's not what I want. I'm okay with going early. I just, I want to, uh, I want there to be a bit of a stink about it, you know? All right. I don't know what the fuck I was trying to talk about. Oh yeah. I was just saying, I'd like to see some of the news stories, of the local residents that were affected. 
because, you know, these left people want to pretend like uh, they're anti-violence or they're trying to create a fabric for a new society, which is uh, more inclusive. And if it's uh, predicated on violence and robbing people of things that they worked really hard for, let's share that story. Let's show who who really uh, who really is going to bring society to rock bottom and doesn't have moral values um, and who are the college people? Who are the professors? Who are the ones that are educating these people that are creating these movements? Or what rich billionaires might be funding these movements? These are all really interesting questions to ask and explore. And I'm not reading any of it in the newspaper. I haven't even seen much about Chapo in the last couple of weeks other than it was finally disbanded. But I have not seen, and granted, I don't watch Fox News. Maybe Fox News is all over this fucking story. But I'd love to see more of local residents and who was harmed. What was the cost of this thing? Who had the business that had been in that area for 40 years that now went under because, and maybe that didn't happen, maybe uh, because of the graffiti art, you know, more people are going to flock to the area. It'll be like a Woodstock type situation where they'll put up memorials and now this real estate's going to be worth more than anything because it's a place where they can celebrate Chapo and uh, the spot where, you know, black teams died because... Uh, there wasn't adequate police force or a working government. I'm not sure how that's going to play out. All right. Next is uh, they're trying to invoy, invent uh, toilets for, for the moon uh, and NASA. They want people to maybe give their two cents of what a moon toilet should look like. And I feel like I would like one where you could see your shits float. Like maybe you, you shat into the toilet and it went into like a cylinder or like a baggie and then you reach up. And you pull like a real, like a, there's a thing that just kind of hangs down and you get to pull it like in a really dramatic fashion. You get to pull the thing down and then instead of flushing, because I guess it's more of a gravity thing, it just kind of comes out like a tube and it starts heading up into space. But you get a second there where you get to like look at your shit and kind of inspect it while it goes up like a reverse snowflake. It just starts floating towards the heavens and you get to, you know, see what you ate and how it came out and you get to really consider if you need more. Because everyone kind of likes looking at your poops. I mean, we don't really, I know some other people, they take it too far. They even take pictures of it, send it to their friends, tell them how proud they are. And that's too much. But can you imagine, like, if you had, if you filled a whole cylinder, and then you needed a second cylinder, or you had like, a, like a perfect log, or something comes out looking like Jesus? Is that offensive to G? I'm not trying to offend Jesus. I'm just uh, making a joke about uh, the people with toaster pieces that end up going up on eBay for a shit ton of money. Uh, all right. Well, you know, if anyone uh, listening to the show works at NASA, maybe you can pitch my toilet idea where you get to see your shits float up towards space. Um, and then, you know, what's an episode of Run Your Mouth without talking about the Fed? Uh, so the Fed, in their latest meetings, they said policymakers also noticed that the job losses triggered by the crisis were hitting the hardest among low-wage workers, women, African-Americans, and Hispanics. The minute said the Fed officials discussed how the sharp rise in joblessness had been especially severe for low-wage workers, women, African-Americans, and Hispanics. The Fed policy-making committee voted 10 to 0 at the June meeting to keep central banks' benchmark interest rates at a record low near zero, and officials expected that it would remain at that ultra-level through, through 2022. The Fed also said that they're going to continue giving all the money possible to the banks and that they're going to continue buying bonds from companies that may or may not need send money and that hopefully these efforts to keep wealthy middle class portfolios um, alive and banks intact will somehow um, help the poor. 
And I'd like to remind you that that second part wasn't actually part of the article, that this little take about how, uh, you know, the poor is not doing that well comes after last week when um, one of the guys said that the uh, systemic racism, or is it, by the way, I don't know if it's systemic or systematic because I don't even know, n- neither of these, I'm not sure what either of these things e- even mean. I'm not trying to marginalize anybody here. That's not what we're about. We're the anti-defamation podcast. I'm trying to approach this from a place of uh, understanding, of inclusiveness. How do we make this better for everybody? That's what I'm trying to do here. And so I don't, uh, systematic or systemic, or is either one more accurate than the other even? What, what does systemic mean? Are you not trying to imply systematic? Like, I don't know. Anyways... So that was last week. They were trying to say that the real problem in this economy is the uh, systemic racism and that the poor black people not having jobs is a drag on our economy. And so what are they proposing? How are you guys going to research how this systemic racism outside of monetary policy is the true culprit of our economic downfall? It's not financing the wars. It's not financing bank wall like bank bailouts and Wall Street speculation. It's not low interest rates. It's not the fact that we've um, outsourced a lot of our industries to other countries because of maybe minimum wage laws or the fact that inflation makes it harder to do from here. Uh, none of these things have affected the poor. There's not one aspect of monetary policy that has harmed black people. Um, the issue is that there's systemic racism, racism, and so there are jobs and there's money available. The economy is perfect, and these groups just aren't being hired because people are uh, systematically racist. And that actually, it becomes a drag on the economy because now you got groups of people that are able-bottled. They would, they would work. They would love to work these great jobs. But you've got racist people that just won't give them the jobs. And and as a result of this systemic racism, we have people that just don't have jobs. And um, that's an overall drag in the economy. But guys, this is how bad the racism is getting. It's actually not just hurting black people now. And that's why we got to get it under control. It's actually affecting all poor people. Do you understand? Like a, a week ago... The, the problem in the economy was contained to just poor black people, but now it's all poor people. This is this is expanding past the black community. In fact, if we don't get this under control quickly, this, this won't even be a race issue. It will actually be an everybody that's poor issue, but keep in mind, it's not going to be the fault of the policy of the Fed. The Fed will have done everything that it could possibly do to make sure that, um, you know, people that could afford to be in the stock market and have other assets, that their money continues to be highly valued. So this is not a Fed issue. The Fed, they're doing everything they can to help everybody. It's because there's other racist people out there that are just not giving jobs to people that would otherwise want them. And then one of the fucking crazy things that happened this week at the Fed is um, they've started buying bonds. And by the way, I don't understand how bonds like this idea of the fed buying bonds doesn't go against the supposed uh, the supposed modern monetary theory that there's just endless fucking money because i i thought one of the ideas about why um we can't have giant deficits is that if the government's borrowing a lot of money it's going to crowd out private investment i don't even totally understand that principle But I think like you go back 20 years ago with the biggest conservative talking point against these deficits. One of them is that you're going to crowd out private investment. So if you now have the Fed needs to buy bonds, which would suggest that there isn't enough money in the market to buy these bonds. Isn't that proof of the fact that you are crowding out private investment? And I guess there isn't just endless money. I don't know. 
But you got to look at the companies that got the money too. One of them's AT&T. And you know why AT&T? Because they fucking sell all the data to the government. I think that's probably their primary business. It's not even their shitty phones. It's just selling data to the government. And then you got uh, Philip Morris. You know, for years, they told us, hey, you got to stop smoking cigarettes. Not just that, but if you're poor and you're smoking cigarettes, well, we got to tax you because cigarettes are really, really bad and you shouldn't be doing that. And so we're going to tax you. And, you know, like (laughs) the taxes on cigarettes could be the difference if you've got a kid about being able to get your kid in daycare or, you know, keeping with your smoking habit. And I don't know that taxing people on their addiction is really what gets people to quit. You're just kind of fucking over the poor idiots who are smoking because that's kind of their their thing or because uh, they got marketed to as kids or however they ended up with their fucking cigarette addiction. You're going to kick them in the face and go, hey, this is so bad. We've got to tax you on this thing. And then you the government itself will just hand money to those companies to buy their bonds. How the fuck does that add up? How do you compute that one? And now I got some old lady walking through the park and not just staring at me. She goes, I know you're going to say things on the internet. I just know it. I know you're going to say bad things. I don't know why this old lady sounds like Trump to me, but she just does. All right. And then last topic I want to talk about is all these companies that are starting to pull advertising dollars because uh, Facebook and Twitter aren't doing enough to make sure that there aren't people with uh, harmful opinions there are, there are, Facebook and Twitter aren't doing enough to censor the racists on those platforms to make it a safe and inclusive space for everybody. So companies stretching as far as Coca-Cola are pulling their money. Like, Coca-Cola, who the fuck do you think you are? The Coca-Cola? The Diabetes are us? The Diabetes Corporation? Like, hey, we're out here and we're trying to kill people with sugary products that we've marketed to kids and to fatsos. Um, we need to make sure that we're advertising on platforms that are like, when did corporations decide that not only are they going to fuck us, but they're going to pretend like they're morals and have souls at the same time. Just be fucking Coca-Cola. Just be a corporation that sells sugary fucking drinks and somehow gets away with it. Like I'm telling you, these drinks are, I mean, you already saw it kind of a little bit with Bloomberg that they're becoming the, you know, cigarettes of our generation. People are going to look back and go, oh my God, how is that something that we just put on our dinner tables? Not that I'm any better. I drink beer, but the point is like Coca-Cola, you're going to pretend like you guys have some high and mighty morals or really care about what people's opinion. No, you just want people to drink sugar. That's it. That's all you're trying to do. Why are you pretending otherwise? Uh, And I think the first time I saw brands getting political, which there's something, it's not just that it's annoying. It actually, uh, I think it's more harmful than it is annoying. But the first time I saw brands starting to get political was, I think it was like two years ago, you started to see around Gay Pride Month that a lot of corporations in New York City were putting up the flags and they were all kind of starting to preach about safe spaces and having the gay flags up. And my attitude towards great, go live your fucking life. I don't care if you're gay. Here's my opinion on on the, on the corporations with like the celebrating Gay Pride Month. Imagine if you had a kid and your kid decided to go join the circus, and you're like, all right, well, are you making money at the circus? And he goes, Dad, I'm making so much money. And you're like, cool. And like, are you safe? You know, are you doing like you know weird jumpy things or swallowing swords? And he goes, like, no, I'm actually I'm the backstage guy. And uh, I actually just organize the events and it pays really well. And you're like, great. If you're happy and you're safe, great. Go do you. And he goes, but dad, you don't understand. I'm a circus person now. 
And they're like, well, you're safe. And he goes, yeah, okay, I don't care. And he goes, no, no, you don't get it. I'm, I'm a part of the circus. They're like, all right, fine, go be a part of the circus. He goes, no, no, you don't get it. We go from like town to town and people do flips in the air and there's acrobats and sometimes there's elephants and there's people that throw flyers. I'm a circus person now. And they're like, all right, I don't care. He goes, no, no, but I'm a circus person. It's like, I don't fucking give a shit. You can be a circus person. Are you safe? Are you doing anything that harms other people? Are you making a living? Great. No, no, dad, I'm a circus person. That's what it's like with this gay Like, Why are you preaching to me? They're like, no, no, you don't understand. We're equal, but we're also special. And it's like, I don't care. Just go do your own fucking thing. Go blow as many dudes as you want. I don't give a shit. It does not bother me one bit. But you don't understand. We're special. Like, I don't care. Like, that's also the kind of thing that was a little bit annoying about Black Lives Matter. It's like this idea of like, hey, we're not just equal, but we're also special. We're equal and special. We both want to be treated equally, but we want you to recognize that we're different, but we're different in that we're special. And so therefore we should get special privilege or we need a like, I need you to recognize the fact that we're different in a special way. Well, just that kind of just sounds annoying, you know, just like. Go do your own thing. I don't give a shit. But now they're taking it too far because not only are they like just trying to like uh, preach to me, which I don't get. It's like I don't care about if people want to go be gay. It makes no difference to me. Why do we have to pretend like what are we doing here? Why does it have to be a basis of my life that when I walk into Chase Bank, there's a reminder of the fact that there's gay people out there and that gay people should be allowed to like I don't care. Let all the gay people be as gay as they fucking want. Why does that have anything to do with my interactions here at Chase Bank? Why do I have to be reminded about this? They're special. I want everyone to remember how special this group of people is. I don't give a shit. And now these corporations are getting even more involved because they kind of dictate what content can and can't exist and who can make a living with content based on the fact that I guess if you're outside of the uh, the special group, they ain't going to give you any advertising dollars. I got to turn on my air conditioning. It's like 90 fucking degrees. I don't know what to tell you guys. Hopefully the uh, air conditioning noise isn't too annoying, but we're almost done here anyways. Um, what was I trying to talk about? Oh yeah. And then I, I got a comment on social media in general. You know, I, I was hearing some comic exp- like talking about how uh, uh, comedy clubs are an uncomfortable place for women and that we need to change this. Uh, I've been doing comedy for 10 years and I mostly don't hang out in comedy clubs because, yes, they are very uncomfortable. You know why they're uncomfortable? It's because I'm not that fun. Like, I don't want to hang out with people. So and it's weird to show up to a place just because you want to get work and the people there don't really necessarily want to hang out with you. You're just like the guy who's looking for something from people, which nobody wants, especially if they can't help you. No one wants to feel like, oh, shit, I can't help this person out. Imagine you worked in an office. There was no job available and people are just hanging out looking for a job. It's a weird system. It's uncomfortable. And let me tell you, the second you're in the group that's working there, you're part of the club. It's like any other club. When you're part of the club, it's a lot of fun. If you're not a member and you're hanging out, it's fucking uncomfortable. And you know who actually gets a pass? There's some people who get a pass on this. Firstly, if you have shit to offer, like if you're on television or something, you got something to offer people. Yeah, they want you in the club. If you're a comic with credits or you're a comic with the following, they want you in the cre- in the club because you got something to offer them. Uh or if you're an incredibly hot chick, sometimes people want you around because you got something valuable there. You're incredibly good looking and people think that they might be able to sleep with you. Now, like, all right, I guess that's annoying. You know what else is annoying? Not having anything of value when you're showing up to these places. 
like I guess as annoying as it might be, there's like two sides of this. Like you're upset about being attractive. Talk to the people that aren't attractive and see if that's better. If everywhere you go, people don't want to have sex with you. Like, yeah, I guess it's annoying that a ton of people are hitting on you, but it's also probably nice that you have options. You probably haven't spent really long stretches of your life alone, not in a relationship, or it, to some extent it was probably your decision. Like, go talk to the people that don't get hit on and then see if, like, not saying that you should have to deal with people being creeps or that there isn't something that's annoying about showing up in places and having people hit on you. But I think what I was trying to get outside of the whole hitting on thing is that, like, it's not just that you're a female that hanging out in comedy clubs is uncomfortable. And going online to complain that it's uncomfortable is really weird to me. And then I was thinking about this because I hear so much about how white people have power and how uh, white males have power and that, you know, these situations are so uncomfortable for minorities or female because they're the odd person out. And I was thinking about my experience. I've really only worked at one comedy club for a long time. It was called LOL. The owner of LOL was a gay black man and probably one of the most evil person I've ever interacted with my entire life. I worked at that place for years. I was never paid any money. Uh, I had to do shows later at night than when I wanted to work. I couldn't even like say I only wanted to do two shows in the night. I had to do three. The hallway was a constant fire hazard. I had nights where I had to like, I had been there for like four hours and then my last spot was running late and I'd work at 7 a.m. the next morning and you can't decide that you're not going to do the last spot. Also, that place was physically intimidating. If you went up late at night and bombed, I had a glass bottle thrown in my head once. I had people that wanted to fight me. Like you could not not perform. Like if you were tired as fuck, I'd end up drinking Red Bulls at one in the morning because I, you could not go up there at two in the morning tired, not ready to perform under any circumstances. It was it would be a threat to your fucking life. And listen, this is not me now complaining to you. The point is like this idea that life is only uncomfortable for women or minorities and that there's absolutely no hardships for anybody else. It's like automatically like, it's just not true. These places are uncomfortable. Life is fucking hard. And then here's what I'm trying to get it. I would never complain to, I'm not even complaining now. What I'm saying is that like, you know, dramatically complaining is not a metric of accuracy. The fact that people go online and say, hey, this has been so rough and horrible does not like not to say that the owner of LOL is right for what he did. That guy is not a good dude. But I would never go on to Twitter and go, hey, hey, Twitter world, this person's doing this and you guys need to help me out. That's called being a fucking tattletale. That's what that is. I chose, I, listen, for years I chose to work there, and then at some point I chose not to. And those were my decisions. I could walk into that office, demand to get paid, and we said no, no. I guess if I really wanted to, but I would never do it, maybe I could try and bring some kind of fucking lawsuit against the guy for, you know, unpaid work, even though it's my, like, I don't even believe in that because it's my choice to have worked there for free to try and get better at comedy. And then it was my choice at some point in time not to. And I, I you know, it, I, I'm not saying that it, it was entirely a, like, a win for me or that it didn't cost me things to be there. Um, the, the amount of time that I was, or that there weren't like, I'm telling you that place was really hard fucking work, but it, I would just never go online to complain that, Oh my God, I was, I've been hanging out in this place. That's uncomfortable. And you guys have to understand how uncomfortable I was. And we're becoming the United States of lameness. 
like th th this entire just thing that there's a platform by which pe this is like being in fucking kindergarten. That's where it is. Hey, I'm going to, there's this thing that bothers me. And so I'm going to go online and I'm going to tattle and hopefully my tattling would do something. And now you've got brands that are stepping in and they're going, Oh, there's a lot of people that are whining and crying. And so therefore we're, we're pulling our advertising dollars. And here's where the advertising dollars really does make a difference. I'm working at uh, look, go look at gas digital. You ever think it's kind of weird that they don't, or look at all the comedy podcasts that you listen to. There's a lot of them. I'm going to even maybe, I think I'm going to include Rogan in this. I'm going to include Rogan in this. I don't think I've ever seen a booze sponsor on Rogan. All the comedy podcasts you've seen, you've never seen a liquor or beer sponsor ever. Think about how much beer commercials you've seen on television. Think about you as a consumer. You probably drink a lot of liquor and beer. You go to a gas digital event. How much liquor and beer is being consumed? You watch some of these shows. Coasts are doing nothing but drinking. Can you think of a better like endorsement or a better marketing play for a liquor or beer brand than advertising on comedy podcasts? Imagine if every time you turned into Joe Rogan's podcast, he was just drinking Budweiser and plugging Budweiser. You don't think that that would have an impact on people going, hey, or take it one step further. Imagine it was like the Skanks, and like, hey, Budweiser supports the, uh, the, the Legion of Skanks brand. How many people do you think would become exclusively Budweiser drinkers? And how many people would really give a shit between Miller or Coors Light or this or that? And if you just saw, hey, these are the people, like, that's what, you know, that's what Big J Okerson tells me he likes to drink and they're supporting my favorite podcast and you know just think about that you've seen so many advertisements and there's so much money spent in the beer liquor space and yet for the size and scope of comedy podcasts tell me if i'm wrong i think the closest thing i've seen to a promotion was tito's vodka with um burt kreischer and from what i remember at least he was saying that it was unpaid that they were just sending him free product and i haven't heard him plug him again in a while but you're telling me there hasn't been a single liquor company launching a new product for males between the ages of 20 and 40 that, you know, it might be the exception. I've seen Barstool Sports. Barstool Sports seems to kind of run a little bit differently that these brands um, are like I've seen, I think I've seen Miller Lite over there, or maybe it was Coors Light. I think they seem to get some liquor brands. Um, but the point is, and I swear I was going to make a point here at some point in time. Oh yeah. It's like uh, these brands deciding, Hey, we're only going to sponsor and we're only going to spend money on content that uh, fits in with these with this leftist PC culture censorship ideal club of that's what's trendy. It's a form of um, it's like a form of propaganda almost because then that's going to become the only thing that you see. Then that's when co companies like Comedy Central go, oh, the only shows we can really launch here are ones that fit this narrative because that's the only one that there's really advertising dollars for. And then all of a sudden we end up living more and more in a landscape where it seems that everybody shares these ideals because that's the only content that I really see. And I don't know, people like us, the totally independent like myself, I'll fucking, I will work day jobs for the rest of my life to just be able to, to do this and I'm do the stand-up comedy that I like. That's the way I'm wired. I love doing this if it never pays me a dollar the only part of me that will be upset about if I don't make a living from doing stand-up was that I'll never have been as good as I think I could have been because if I didn't have to work a day job and I could be doing full-time stand-up comedy and getting up every night 
I think I could hit a different tier of how good at it I am. But that's all I care about. And I know that might be weird to you guys. I really, I'm competitive. This is the thing that I love and I want to be one of the best ever. And I'm so far from there because you get bogged down with day jobs. You get bogged down with the fact that you're not past the clubs and you can't get up every night. But that, that's the competitive me. That's all I really care about. I want to like create some of the best hours of stand-up comedy that ever happened. And at some point, I think you need to be getting paid for it so you can be doing it full-time in order to hit those levels. Um, and you kind of need brands that will, you know, advertise on this kind of content in order for that content to grow and for there to be money in it. Because honestly, I'm, firstly, I'm not asking you guys to pay for this or to sponsor this podcast, but most people, they kind of expect media to be free, which is even an okay model. I'm a big fan of the Grateful Dead. And part of how I became a fan of the Grateful Dead is that uh, all of their content was was free. I remember, like, even in the early Napster days, they, I mean, before Napster, they had tapes. They let people tape shows. They shared it. And so when I kind of got interested in The Dead from the couple of songs I heard on the radio, I was able to get every single one of their songs on my iPod. I became, a, like, a hardcore fan. And I've paid to see those guys live probably about 20 times now. Um, and I, I bought some merch along the lines. The point is, the fact that I'm a diehard fan of the Grateful Dead has definitely translated into money for them. And I think they were the first guys to be like, hey, make the content free, charge the live shows, which is just kind of more of the uh, the model when it comes to even touring acts now. They used to make all the money in the albums. Now they make all the money on the tours. Um, but, all right, I, I think I've... Uh, oh, yeah. So it's just... It's fucking weird to me that brands are getting involved and now they're making a political statement where it's like, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be on this conservative media. I'm not going to be on media that uh, makes dirty jokes or... I, I YouTube, it's literally has a thing of tears where there's baskets and then there's some things that can't even be monetized whatsoever because it falls, I guess, outside of the scope of what they say it might be considered brand safe. Whatever the fuck that means, whatever the fuck this criteria is... I almost think we got to start punishing these brands for being political. Like when uh, Phillips Norelka, whatever the fuck that other one was, did that preachy-ass commercial of men can be better. No one should ever buy that shit ever fucking again. And like all these brands that are like, hey, unless uh, this reflects this, you know, uh, I, I don't know, the values of this PC culture and nothing else being offensive, then I'm not going to advertise here. Well, fine, if that's the way you feel... Uh, then I don't want to support your brand anymore. Like, for some reason, I guess they look at the left as being the only ones who will go, hey, since you haven't made a stand, uh, like, since you haven't stood up and said that you stand with our agenda here, uh, imagine if every time you went to buy a product, you know, leftists would only buy it if it said, uh, this company supports abortions. Well, then you really need the right to finally go around and go, all right, I'm not buying Dove soap anymore. Fuck you. You want to be a brand that supports abortions? Well, then I don't need to buy your shampoo. I really don't like Dove shampoo all that much. I'll, I'll use Pert Plus. I don't know if that's a Dove or Unilever product. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. But the point is, like, we need to start looking at what brands are coming in and stepping in and, like, it's a form of censorship and going, we will only pay for this other form of content and going, fine, you don't want to support the content that I'm into, you don't want to advertise to me, then fuck you. I'm not buying your fucking products. You want to put all your money behind making the world look more like what these fucking PC leftists want it to look like? Then I, I want no part of that. You can go fuck yourself in your fucking brand. I'm not drinking Coca-Cola anymore. RC Cola. RC Cola is fucking delicious. You're out there. I don't even know what stores sell RC Cola. I don't, you know, but that's the point. Fucking switch off Coca-Cola. Get used to Pepsi. You know, Miller Lite wants to come in and start supporting the Run Your Mouth podcast. Say goodbye to your fucking Budweiser's. 
I'm serious. Like, if these brands want to start picking sides, let's let them and let's make them fucking pay through the roof because it's the same thing you're going to see with content. Like, I, I bet Comedy Central, I've already seen that they're having some trouble. You know, you pick all this, fu- like, already you pick all this content that sucks as opposed to uh, the market ends up winning out. You got people who are putting out offensive shit. There's clearly an audience for it. And at some point, you're going to lose your entire audience to people that just decided to self-produce their own content. Like Andrew Schultz, dude. Andrew Schultz is, uh, I saw him doing like those uh, Daily Show style videos that puts the Daily Show to shame. And it's funny and it's fucking edgy. And then he'll end up with an entirely just self-produced. It's all going to go online. It's all going to go online because they tried to censor everything towards some sort of a vision towards what they thought was funny and it wasn't. And it's all going to end up online. And then, you know, we got to make the brand suffer in the same way. There's a market full of people that these brands won't advertise to because they don't agree with our lifestyle. They don't agree with the content that we like or the content that we want to produce. So fuck them. Fuck them. You know, we got to get like, I want to create the fuck you corporation. It's an alternative to Amazon and you can buy your toilet paper, your shampoo, all your household items at the point. At this point, it's all just fucking drop ship from China. You create a drop ship or whatever the fuck you want. You need a broom for your house. You buy it from fuck you corporation and then fuck you corporation will be a non-for-profit and it'll put all of its money back. It'll, it'll be the fuck you whiskey corp. I mean, Jack Daniels, you really need to drink Jack Daniels. I like Jack Daniels. I'm not shitting on Jack Daniels, even though I mostly drink Bullet Rye. But fuck that. If you made the Fuck You Whiskey brand and it supported the Run Your Mouth podcast, I'll drink Fuck You Corp Whiskey. See what I'm saying? I don't know. I feel like I've ranted quite a bit. Uh, And that's it for me for this week. So just fuck these companies. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know how we rally enough like conservative or alternative media together to go like, hey, here are the list of brands that are actively trying to suppress free speech. They're picking sides. I didn't pick sides. They're picking sides and saying that my content is, is shameful and shouldn't be supported. Then fuck them. We're not supporting their fucking brands.